This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I am Maddie Guest and as always, I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sophie Dicker. We are back in e-company, Maddie. <laughs> so Flastic, inspired by our Kathy Wood episode, we did an episode on a company that we love, Tesla, and tried to have a discussion to figure out, is it a good investment? This week, we are going to ask you, our community, a company that you want to know more about so that we can do the research for you. Lucky you. (laughs) Well, we can get started for you. (laughs) We will give you a base to work from. So let's hear what we've got this week. Hey, Barbie. Hey, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hey, guys. I'm so excited for the launch of the Barbie movie this week. And it got me thinking, I love Mattel, but is it a good investment? All right, so if I am pretty excited because today we're going to be chatting about a company that is literally everywhere at the moment. I cannot escape it. I think I'm going to get the Barbie grilled burger for dinner. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I have been had my eye on this for so long. I was watching TikTok earlier and someone was wearing a pink dress and she referred to the color as Barbie pink. And that was when I was like, this has just completely taken over. Like something is no longer just pink, it's Barbie pink. (laughs) It's got its own name. It's like when you say to Uber somewhere, it's like to taxi, to Uber, it's got its own thing now. So today we're going to be sharing how we build up an investment thesis and we're going to be going through each of the steps. Step number one is to pick your opportunity. How would we say we have stumbled across this opportunity? What is the opportunity here? And we've said multiple times on this podcast before that sometimes the best investing opportunities are right in front of your eyes. So if you're seeing Barbie everywhere, I think it's like a motive to question like, is there an investment opportunity somewhere in there? And one thing I would say is I was having a conversation with a girlfriend at work and I said that we were going to be doing an episode on Mattel this week. And she was like, Mattel? And I was like, yeah, Barbie. And she's like, oh, And that made me kind of think that like products that are right in front of your face or products that you might use and love every day might, their specific brand might not be on a, on listed on a stock exchange, but often there's a parent company that does own them that's listed. So like, it's just a thought that if you use something every day and love something every day, have a look and see if it's listed. Yeah, I was reading a newsletter this afternoon that got sent to my inbox and it turns out that This listener who has suggested that we look into Mattel is pretty onto something because the Australian broker superhero recorded more trades in Mattel in two days last week than all of last year in 365 days. So obviously this is very on the minds of people just because 
Barbie is everywhere at the moment. So step number two is to build the story around the company. And I think this is important because it gives a bit of background to a whole bunch of things where it's come from, the leaders, etc. Where did Mattel start? So Mattel was actually founded all the way back in 1945. So take yourself back to World War II. And originally they were selling picture frames and dollhouse furniture. In 1947, it sold its first toy, which what would you say a first toy would be? Like a car or like a doll. It was the Yooka Doodle, which was a ukulele, which to be honest, I mean, that was just setting them up for success. How can they fail from that? (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about Barbie. When was that first release? Was that also a similar time? It was pretty early days. So the Barbie doll was released in 1959 and it quickly became the company's best-selling toy and it still holds that title today. But even though we are talking about Barbie, it is good to note that when I was doing a bit of research into the company, like they own so many brands, like the likes of Hot Wheels, Uno, Polly Pocket, Fisher-Price, Thomas and Friends, which I used to love so much. I had the whole track. Yeah, good old <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine, such good times. And apparently your favourite, because Maddie has written in our little notes, Magic Ball 8, my (laughs) (laughs) favourite. Why is that? So good. Because you used to ask it things like, does this boy like me? Shake. (laughs) (laughs) What was the answer? What did it say? Yes, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay, we could sit here and be nostalgic nostalgic about games all day, (laughs) but I think it's like- I mean, it's part of the power of the brand, isn't it? It goes to show. That's true. I think a good way to like set up a bit about the history of Mattel is, you know, they have all these amazing brands, but they've kind of had a really volatile past and it's for a number of different reasons. During the 1950s, 60s, 70s, they were growing and then in the early 2000s, they suffered a little bit of volatility because of cost pressures and then they had some issues with manufacturing where some of the products came out with lead in them. So obviously very dangerous to have lead products with children. Not ideal. No, but it's also these moments in history that aren't great, but the brand did also seem to recover a fair bit. Yeah, it took some time though because Barbie also did experience a lot of criticism for a while. When it started, it was this beautiful icon that young girls played with and then it very quickly became, well, why are our young girls aspiring to these unachievable beauty standards. The company responded by releasing dolls that represented over 200 careers. So they had astronauts and surgeons, entrepreneurs. They even had a US president, which I love. It reminds me of the time we had Julie Bishop on the podcast and it was around the time she just recently got a Barbie made in her, I think it was a special edition. You know that that's when you've made it, when you have a Barbie made after you. But I think also on that, and we did discuss this, is that there was a lot of criticism criticism around this as well because they were coming out with all these different types of Barbies that you know females could inspire to but it kind of felt like a bit of a band-aid on much larger cultural stereotype issues. Which is why I think and we'll get to now sort of where we are today it's exactly why I think what they're doing now is so impressive because there was a real period there where Barbie had to transition and I think a lot of people did view it as sort of tokenistic maybe and you know oh let's just create all of these different Barbies so that we look better as a brand but I think now people seem to have sort of forgotten that they are really embracing it a lot more. Mm, I'm only saying positive things about this goddamn movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So I think let's talk about the leader then because Barbie had a new CEO take over in 2018 and that's where we really start to see things shift. One thing I would like to know in doing this research, before this new CEO came on, Enon Cretes, there was four CEOs in the four years before. So there was a CEO a year prior to 2018. Sounds like Australia's prime ministers. Yeah. (laughs) So you can imagine that prior to him coming on, it was very volatile within the company because imagine if at your workplace you had a different leader every single year. You wouldn't be able to strategize. You wouldn't be able to think long-term. You'd be wondering what's wrong. It's unsettling. Yeah, I think this was a real moment for the company in time that he came in and he had a leadership strategy and a long-term strategy to really pivot a company that for the you know five years prior, I think, was loss-making. And in those early days, probably the biggest and most powerful thing that he did was really set the company up financially. So Mattel has significantly improved on its financial metrics in the time that Yeats, (laughs) Crates, has been in leadership. (laughs) Yeats, goodness me, it's quite, quite the day. And in 2022, he made an announcement to the market that the first part of the turnaround has now been complete. They have improved Mattel's profitability. And he then laid out the new strategy, which I guess is the playbook that we're going to be talking about today. And that was really commercializing other parts of the business and not just focusing on the toys because for a really long time, so much of their sales was derived from toys. Like I think Barbie makes up 20% of their sales or something. So if toys went downhill, the whole company went downhill and a massive part of his strategy was turning around being like, we can commercialize these brands in so many other ways, whether it be film, TV shows, live events, gaming. And that's what he really has done over the past four years. And to your point, you know, toys are cyclical, right? If you think about the current maybe downturn in in the economy at the moment, there's cost of living pressures. Parents aren't going to be going out and spending lots of money on new toys for their kids. So this decision has really diversified the company's offering going forward. One thing I'd like to say just about point on leadership, because we often are looking at leadership when we are thinking about investing in companies. One kind of bear case that came to mind is when I was doing research into Crete's there is so much positive news around him and what he's done for the company. And honestly, one of my first thoughts around that was if he leaves the company, what would happen? I thought you were going to say like, it's too good to be true. You know, there there must be something bad. I was like, have a bit of faith. (laughs) No, no, I have faith. I think he's done an incredible job. But thinking about it, I... I think he's been a massive reason why the company has turned around. And I do wonder if, you know, he left tomorrow, what would happen to the stock price? I mean, I'm sure it would be impacted in the short term, but I also do think that they've set this strategy up now. So you would hope that it's not just one person. I know that he's obviously been the figurehead for a lot of change, but there is a whole team and a whole sort of group of people behind him and an entire company behind him. A hundred percent. Just a thought, just my thoughts. <laughs> Robust conversation. But so let's take a quick break for our sponsors. And then when we come back, we are going to get into some of Mattel's competitors because speaking about thoughts, I have got some thoughts. <laughs> I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So before the break, we talked about how we have identified the opportunity that is Mattel with all of the hype around Barbie at the moment. And then we got into a little bit of the history of the company and how it's gotten to where it is today. Step number three is know the market. So let's have a bit of a chat. Who are the biggest competitors for Mattel? Who is coming to mind for you? This one was really confusing because Mattel is a toy company, but also obviously now it's also moving into like film production. So it seems like there's kind of a few different types of competitors depending where you sit. I guess we can start with like the toys. Their main toy competitor is a company called Hasbro. And so if you've never heard of that name, they house brands such as Monopoly, My Little Pony, one of my favorite things to eat when I was younger, Play-Doh, which is disgusting, but it was so salty and delicious. (laughs) It would be so remiss of me not to bring this up right now. And I feel like so many people, so many of my good friends are just going to be rolling their eyes. Have you played Monopoly Deal? No, but I've heard of it because of you. Everyone listening, do yourselves a favor, go out and buy Monopoly Deal. I actually am going to claim that I'm an influencer for Monopoly Deal and they should pay me commission (laughs) because I cannot tell you, I have made so many of my friends play it and every single one of them after playing it with me goes out and buys it. And I now, it's so funny. Everyone sends me a photo every time they're playing it. I reckon I get at least one a week. It makes me so happy. Hasbro, please sponsor us. (laughs) But Hasbro is a really interesting one because it seemed when I was doing the general research that they kind of over the past 10 years have been the bigger, better toy company when compared to Mattel. I read an interesting fact that if you'd invested in Hasbro 10 years ago, it would be worth $33,000 now. I don't know what the starting yeah. like principal amount was that you put in. Sorry, but that was the fact. Whereas if you had done the same amount, I'm sure with Mattel, it would only be $9,000. So 9000 compared to $33,000, obviously Hasbro's done better on the stock exchange. I think a part of that is that it isn't just a toy company, but it's also been in like the film production market for a really long time. They're behind the famous Transformers, which was obviously an iconic film, the first one back in 2007. But I think it's had 11 films since. Yeah, wow. I think the general consensus is that it's kind of the bigger and better brand, toy brand. Yeah, it's an interesting point you raise that Hasbro has also been making films. Obviously, that's where Mattel is headed now. But one of the things that I did notice when researching more about Hasbro is that they have got an in-house sort of studio and production company that incurs a lot of costs for the company. It's very different to what Mattel is doing, which is actually outsourcing that filmmaking aspect. They're saying that they're working very closely to develop the films, but they are outsourcing it. So there is much less, I guess, sort of financial burden on Mattel as they follow this path compared to what Hasbro experiences. Which is interesting because when I was looking into the film market, and maybe we can jump there in a second with another competitor, but it's really expensive to make films. And there's a lot of capital outlay that needs to happen at the beginning, obviously. And then you don't know what the outcome 
of the film is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be a box office hit and you don't know if you're going to make your money back. So obviously for Hasbro, that's one of its downfalls is that maybe it's incurring a lot more cost up front, whereas maybe Mattel's being a bit more smart in its decision around film production. Yeah, although I'm sure there are also benefits to having it in-house. One more dynamic that I want to get into, and to be honest, I found it quite confusing when I was doing my research. Now that Mattel is moving into the film space, Disney comes to mind as quite a key competitor. But Disney and Mattel have a pre-existing relationship that goes back quite far because Disney partners with Mattel to get Mattel to essentially create their characters in toy form. This is probably my biggest question around this entire investment thesis that we're building is this decision by Mattel to essentially go into competition with Disney in the film space. Is that going to threaten their ongoing partnerships with Mattel making Disney's products? Yeah, that's such an interesting question because I was reading about how uh, Mattel originally had the license to do Disney princesses. Lucrative license. <laughs> yeah, really lucrative license, but it made up a total of 8% of Mattel's sales. Which is massive. That's huge. And they still, they lost that contract for a little bit, but they, they got it back in 2022. So it's would be an interesting dynamic if Disney's like, no, okay, we'll just produce our dolls in-house or we'll give them to Hasbro because you're kind of going up against us. But Mattel is not going to be stopping with Barbie. This year, the company is also producing a film with Netflix, Masters of the Universe, and there are a dozen more projects in the pipeline. There's Hot Wheels, there's Major 8-Ball, which I'm pretty excited for, but probably most of all, I'm extremely interested to see how the vision comes to life for a movie based on Uno. Yeah, I don't know how you're going to make cards interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I'm imagining, I'm imagining like the draw four being the bully of the gang or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh, the skip. It's going to be so mean. I can't deal. I'm sure they'll make a positive. <laughs> but not only is Mattel going into films and taking it to Disney on that front, but they are also building a theme park in Arizona. So if I can't tell you today, I spent... I shouldn't even be saying this. I was sitting at work. You can go onto the theme park's website. They're building it at the moment and they have a live cam of showing it how it's getting built. And I was just watching this construction site with a theme park going up. Then I checked it again later and it was dark because it was dark in America because it's nighttime. And I was like, oh, no more. (laughs) (laughs) So they're actually really going into direct competition then with Disney, it seems, if you're going into both film and then also creating a theme park. But what's kind of interesting about that is, again, it's so much capital outlay for films, but then also theme parks. And I was reading that Disney actually had its worst 4th of July sales on record. Wow. Like the theme park was completely empty during that week. And they were saying it's for a bunch of different reasons, you know, obviously rising inflation, cost of living, people traveling overseas instead of maybe spending time in another US state if they're from the US because they want to travel, if they haven't because mm. of COVID. But it just seems like a kind of risky space to be going into with such uncertain kind of economic environment. For sure. And I guess just to reflect then on who is Mattel's competition, I often like to invest in the company that I believe is going to be at the top of its competition, be the number one player. And I have to say, I don't know if I feel that confident that Mattel is the guy. I also just want to round out with like knowing the market. It was just a thought. I don't feel very close to the toy market. I'm kind of at that age where I love all this Barbie stuff, but I am kind of too old to be buying toys. And I'm also not close enough to being a mum to be also buying toys. One thing with knowing the market for me is like, it's something I'm not engaged with 
day to day. So I think I would struggle a little bit with trying to keep on top of what the company is doing and like what's cool and like what the kids want and introducing new technology and I don't know, staying up with trends. That brings us to step number four, which is to ask what is the economic moat? What does Mattel have to stop its competitors from being bigger and better or to stop new competitors from coming into the market? This one for me was interesting. Like I was listening back to our Lisa Diaz episode because we were talking about how she helped us get Kathy Wood. And one of the things that she said was to invest in a company that has a really good marketing strategy. And I understand that because it gets in front of people and then it's on your top of your mind and then you're talking about it and it's probably going to lead you to buying a product or a service from them. And can we just talk about Mattel's marketing strategy at the moment? I mean, it is just the perfect example of bigger is in fact better. (laughs) Yeah, more is actually more. (laughs) I cannot remember a recent time in which something has just infiltrated the zeitgeist so much. It is absolutely everywhere. The other day I saw something that there was just a bright pink billboard and it had absolutely nothing on it except a date in that Barbie font in the bottom right corner, July 21, and that was it. And you see that and you instantly know exactly what it is referring to. It's quite amazing. And I think as well they've just been so genius about hitting so many different target markets. I think it's something like 100 different partnerships that they've done with brands and every brand there is something for someone. Like it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your preferences are. There is something for you. I think I was driving to the gym the other morning and as I was going down, I saw them, yeah, grilled, cotton on, outside. One of the guys from The Big Idea was selling Big Ideas Barbie. There's just, it's infiltrated society. And I think behind that is so much marketing genius because when else have we spoken about a movie in this way? I mean, I am living in Bondi now and they turned the iconic Bondi icebergs pool into this Barbie. It had a Barbie makeover. My local bus stop has been transformed into a Barbie bus stop. And then you've got the press tour. Like it is just so spot on. It is just all so iconic. I love it. And I just need to understand like how Margot Robbie is still standing because the campaign has been going since April. It's now July. She's got another two weeks, another week to go, sorry, or it's releasing this week. And she does not miss. And she doesn't miss. Campaigns never run this long. And the back of my mind thinks whoever these marketing people are, they work for Mattel. So what are they going to do next? I do want to put a few numbers behind this. Since January, there have been close to half a million articles that have been written about Barbie. Wow. 86,000 of which were published in the last month alone. And Barbie has also very much successfully tapped into meme culture and social media. There have been more than 6 million engagements across social media in the last six months. This has seriously, it has cut through. (laughs) And one thing I found really interesting is doing a bit of research. Apparently, Mattel has actually always been at the forefront of really innovative marketing. In 1955, it became a year-round sponsor of the Mickey Mouse Club, which was kind of like we always hear a sponsorship now and like exclusive sponsorship and doing it for a long period of time. But that wasn't, that didn't used to be a thing at all. You know, adverts were in the paper. I'm also just seeing so much potential with a Hot Wheels movie and like where Formula One is today. It's going to be great. I can't wait. (laughs) One question I kind of did have in the back of my mind when I was thinking about the marketing and then also the film production, I was like, this is costing them a lot of money. So is it actually going to turn a profit for them? And I think there was reports that my whole marketing campaign was something around $150 million, just the marketing campaign. 
rumoured. Which is insane. But on the flip side, the film is expected to make up to $100 million in the first weekend in box office. So pretty crazy to think that that could pay itself back that quickly. Yeah, the first day, that's insane. And I also looked at some other movies because, as you said, like it's hard to think of a movie that felt like this. Some of the ones that did come to mind for me were like Top Gun, Maverick, mm. and then also the new Avatar. And in box office total, Maverick made $1.5 billion USD. Whoa. And Avatar made $2.3 billion. So like $150 million in the scheme of it doesn't even seem like anything. So, so if that is Mattel's economic moat, that is its competitive edge that it has over your Disney's and your Hasbro's of the world. But let's get a little bit critical now. Step number five is to be your own devil's advocate. Where in your mind does this sort of all fall apart for Mattel? It kind of falls apart in this argument of like, is this just two seconds of fame? Because there's so much buzz and it's so great and I'm so excited to see the movie. But like, does this happen? Does the stock price increase because of it? As you said, there's been an outpour of people investing in the company and then next year it's like, well, they can't execute an Uno movie that has the same kind of traction. So everyone's like, well, sorry, see you later. There, well, you could see that happening. Totally. And I think the biggest question for me is... If we think about Disney, they create a film and then they make products, they make toys off the back of the films that are the most successful and the characters that are the most successful. And there's a whole storyline behind those characters. Mattel is going the opposite way. If we actually think about Barbie, there's not really a story necessarily behind her. So in my mind, the biggest sort of contingency here is is Mattel actually going to be able to make good movies? We've seen that there is a massive marketing budget, but what is the story going to be behind, I mean, number one, Barbie? But then what's the story going to be behind Hot Wheels and Uno and the Magic 8 Ball? Is it actually going to be any good? (laughs) I mean, maybe, but like, (laughs) no. (laughs) Well, it definitely remains to be seen, but I do think that in order for Mattel to actually be really successful in this strategy, they are going to have to produce good quality films. And not just for kids, but where Disney really nails it is that parents love going to the movies as well because there are all those in-jokes and sort of side stories that only the parents get. Stepping away, though, from the film side and actually looking at the toys, I think one of the devil's advocate cases for the company is where are toys going in the future? In the December quarter, so that Christmas period, Mattel actually suffered a decline of 22% in their sales, which is meant to be their busiest time of the year. And obviously, as we've mentioned, there's an overlay of that economic environment. You know, people are cutting costs where they can, but it's just a bit of a shock to see that, you know, at a time where toys are most relevant – over Christmas, they suffered such a decline. And I wonder if in part that is also due to kids playing much more on iPads now and sort of going more to those digital games and gaming devices. Surely, especially with where we're at with AI over the last few months, surely that is the future of toys. How relevant are toys really going to be well into the future? What the hell are our kids going to be doing? Like, what will they be using? Is Apple the next big toy company because now they've come out with headsets? Like, are we just going to put headsets on our kids and let them? I mean, you make a good point. (laughs) Are there any other kind of devil on the shoulder arguments that you would make? I think the final one for me is this ultimately is a cyclical company. You know, we touched on the fact that toys are very exposed to the broader economic environment and 
in times where the economy is tougher and we're experiencing headwinds at the moment, Mattel is going to be really exposed to that. So I guess I would just question whether now is a great time to be investing. And maybe it is because maybe you are getting in when it's at a lower point, but a company that is exposed to sales in that broader economic environment is definitely something to keep in mind. So that takes us to our final step when we're building an investment thesis, which is to really look to the future. Is Mattel a company that you can see yourself in for the long term? Maddie, elevator pitch. Look, I am obsessed with what they're doing at the moment. I think the marketing is genius and I really like the direction that the company is going in and how they are revitalizing their brand that for a long time has not been at all relevant, especially to our generation and to the older generations, maybe for kids, but not for us. My biggest question though, and what I just don't know if I can get past is we are both Disney fans and it feels like Mattel is trying to play in Disney's backyard. And I am very excited to just sit back and watch whether number one, they can really take it to Disney and can compete. And number two, and if they're going to stop giving Mattel their licenses or anything like that. Well, I guess it's kind of believing in the company, right? Because Uber took over taxis. We had threads take over Twitter. I mean, I'm not saying it's taken over, but, you know, innovators can come through and sometimes they'll end up on top. So that's why you've got to believe. I do believe in Monopoly deal. So maybe Hasbro is my my bet for the long run. It'll be interesting to see. I think we'll keep you updated on our socials about where the stock price actually goes with Barbie when the film is released, once we start to see some box office figures. Maybe in a year's time we should do a bit of a checkpoint and see if it was, you know, the future or a fad, do a new segment on Barbie. (laughs) You can join us for all of that and much, much more fun at our Instagram at YIGC Podcasts. Find us on TikTok as well at YIGC Podcasts. And you can join our Facebook group as well with more than 2,000 people at YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. Join in there and start some conversations. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to flick it onto a friend. Otherwise, we will catch you next week for your next pick of companies we love, but are they a good investment? Chat then. Bye. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.